You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Faith, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host... Stuart Deloney. Well, good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Bates Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. And after many weeks of interviews from some really pretty interesting people I think we've had here on the show, guess what, folks? You've just got me. Pure, unfiltered snark from your snark master. So that's what you're going to get this hour, whether that be good or bad. I would say good. Y'all may say something different, but either way, this is what you're getting. And I want to delve into the topic. It's been something uh, that's kind of been on my mind for a while, and then I saw an article pop up about this, and I was kind of like, hmm, yes, yes. I want to talk about Christian celebrity worship. But before I get to that, We've got to have our crazy Christian countdown of the headlines that's been going on for the past while. So here we go. Let's start off with Pastor Robert Jeffress, or Bobby Jeff, as I like to call him, mainly just because I made that up right now. But yes, let's talk about Bobby Jeff. Bobby Jeff is the pastor of a megachurch, First Baptist Church of Dallas. Uh, He's also a best-selling author and a radio and TV host. He hosts the program Pathway to Victory, or as others may call it, the Freeway to Hypocrisy. (laughs) That's right, because Pastor Jeffries, who's one of the spiritual advisors for our dear, godly President Trump, is defending the Orange Messiah in the wake of the continued Stormy Daniels saga. And here's what he had to say when being potentially called out on his hypocrisy on Fox News, because it's not like Fox News is going to call him out on anything, but let's break down his statement defending our fine president. Pastor, I'll go to you first. What do you make of evangelicals being called hypocrites in the wake of this these allegations. Well, well, it's absolutely ludicrous. Look, evangelicals know they're not compromising their beliefs in order to support this great president. <laughs> Don't they? Don't they? Sorry. Sorry. I'll dial back the snark down to a seven and let you finish, pastor. And let's be clear. Evangelicals still believe in the commandment, thou shalt not have sex with a porn star. Okay, we're still <laughs> agreed on that. Now, hold on a second, Jim Bob. Are you trying to be snarky? Are you trying to take my bag away from here? Because in all honesty, with your little joke there, hypothetically, what if that Christian was married to the porn star? I mean, I'm just spitballing here. If he's married to the porn star, then thou shalt not sleep with a porn star. Really wouldn't work here. So let's not use the Ten Commandments to get all sassy. Well... I probably do and have before, but 
really, sassy's not your thing. So just stick to what you're good at, like suckling the president's teat uh, in a power grab. Yeah, just stick to that. You're good at it. However, whether this president violated that commandment or not is totally irrelevant to our support of him for two quick reasons. First of all, evangelicals knew they weren't voting for an altar boy when they voted for Donald Trump. Right. We supported him because of his policies and his strong leadership. And tonight you saw another example, the result of that strong leadership in the announcement from North Korea. Hold. Hold a minute there. Bobby, hold a minute. Evangelicals didn't vote him in because they thought he was an altar boy, even though, even though we all heard from many people like you that this is the man that God wants to be there. Now, I'm not trying to say that God tries to pick altar boys <laughs> like the Catholic Church does, but what I'm saying here is you and the rest of evangelicals have sold your soul and your flocks for the cult of Donald Trump. So let's just not go ahead and walk back on this one as you try to uh, run a victory lap around the fact of Trump's strong leadership. When are we going to see that? Yeah, they've talked about having a meeting with North Korea so we can get two kooks in a room uh, who both have bombs and daddy issues. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Continue on there, Bobby. But secondly, and Sandra, this is more important, perhaps, evangelicals understand the concept of sin and forgiveness. Look, we are all sinners. We all need forgiveness. That forgiveness is available through Christ for anyone right. who asks. And whether the president needs that forgiveness Juan for this is... particular allegation, whether he's asked for it is between him, his family, and his God. Faster. Oh, please. That is the biggest cop-out I have ever heard. The idea that the church just kind of gives people a pass on issues of morality. I mean, imagine this. Imagine the same situation, okay? Let's imagine this. Let's imagine that Obama did this. That Obama <laughs> had had a relationship with a porn star that he had his lawyer pay off. What do you think evangelical leaders would have been saying then? Hmm? How did evangelical leaders respond when Bill Clinton had his scandal? How did that work? Did they all say, well, that's between him and God. God forgives. Now, I will grant you that. Yes, forgiveness in God, that's an essential core tenet of Christianity. But you being a leader in the evangelical world, you being a leader of a megachurch and continuing to be like, well, that's neither here nor there. At least he's a good leader. That's a load of crap. And that load of crap stinks, and it smells like you selling your soul, completely selling out to have a piece of the old Oval Office. That's really all it looks like. You're just trying to push your brand and screw over the name of Jesus in the process. So if that was your goal, well done, sir. Well done. I apologize then. I didn't even think about it like that. <laughs> if that's what you were going for, you have accomplished it. Hats off to you, sir. Because the road to hell is paved with megachurch pastors. But don't take my little snarky burns. I'm going to give you some in that same interview from Juan Williams, who is, as I will say this, 
a Fox News contributor. And Juan's got some pretty good sick burns going on here. So you should listen to this. Get in here, Juan. Oh, no, I mean, I, I love Pastor Jefferson. and I, I want him to I make his Juan. case. But, but Pastor, <laughs> I don't see how you can say that this is something people knew about. This story's gotten much bigger in the last two weeks since we had our previous engagement here yes. on the story. Because now you have the lawyer for the president, Michael Cohen, saying, oh, you know what? Not only did I pay $130,000 to try to silence the woman, now I'm trying to get an injunction or some kind of arbitration to stop her from talking yet again. Secondly, you have Sarah Sanders at the White House speaking out. And third, Stormy Daniels suing the president. Okay, so not only suing the president, but saying possibly she has text messages, pictures, right. or property. Oh, does Juan have him on the ropes? Can Pastor Jeffress recover and return to his throne of hypocrisy? Let's find out. I don't. But as of how now, do you get away from that? Allegations. Go ahead. What Patrick. I say to that, that, what I say to that is, look, even if it's proven to be true, it doesn't matter because wow. of what I just said. And one, listen, a blue dress was not enough to turn you into a red Republican, and I believe anything Stormy Daniels have will not be enough to turn red Republicans into blue Democrats. But the Democrats. big question is: This is, is about the policies and issues. Is it? Is it just about the policies and issues? Is it just about that? Or is it about the fact that the conservative evangelicals have pushed all of their chips in on Donald Trump? And because of that, they're willing to backpedal on their faith, on their beliefs, on the way they would normally act in a situation like this. They have gone all in on Trump. And really, they need to zip their pants up because their hypocrisy is showing. No, it's not. But by the way, what did Christ do at the temple? He threw out the money changers. Pastor, you cannot sell your integrity, your Christian values, and say, oh, because President Trump is anti-abortion, I'll support him no matter what. What happened to the principles? Look, what happened look, to your we, love of people of character? We're, we're I'm pretty sure that was a rope-a-dope right there. That was... He landed that one so beautifully, said it so eloquently and honestly. How, how could Jeffress recover? Unless he doesn't really care, <laughs> which is really the truth of it. Ethics, integrity, morality, faith, theology? No, 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 none of that matters in Trump's evangelical world. None of it matters anymore. Nothing matters <laughs> anymore. We're supporting him because of the principles that he stands for, not because of personal behavior. We all fall short. And when talking about what Christ did, he also caught the woman in, who was in adultery and said, I forgive you. Yeah. Go and sin and you no know what? More. She wanted forgiveness. forgiveness. This, this president Christian. pastor has never asked for forgiveness, never acknowledged it. You don't he has know tried that, to Juan. silence Juan. me. Oh, you don't Juan. Know we don't know what happened. Know that. Well, no, no, no. I'm talking about publicly, son. Juan does have a really good point there that I'm going to continue to push home where Jeffress is using this idea of Jesus, forgive me, the woman caught in adultery. Yes, that is true. That is scriptural. And what did Jesus tell her? Go and sin no more. Jesus didn't say, you know what? You know what? I think you'd really, you're a great candidate to be the next Caesar. I think that you would be a great representation of all of us people of faith. Because you see, this isn't an issue 
of forgiveness. Because the idea of forgiveness, biblically speaking, involves this idea of repentance. And the idea of repentance is admitting when you have done something wrong. Has Trump done that? No. Does Trump ever admit when he's wrong? No. He's a narcissist. He's incapable of doing that. So to be able to invoke this idea that we, we are all about forgiveness, that's great. And that is core to Christianity. But not in this situation when you have somebody that's that is continuing to be unrepentant, that is continuing to bully people, that is continuing to harm people, that has a list, a list, a long list of allegations of sexual misconduct against him that he continues to say never happened, never happened. And continues, I didn't know these women. And continues to try to shame them. That doesn't sound like biblical repentance to me. In the situation with a woman caught in adultery, Jesus says, go and sit no more. And as far as we know, she's forgiven, and she goes and changes her life. But what Jeffers is missing here is that ain't Trump. That isn't Trump by a long shot. And all he's really getting at here over and over, and, and the beauty of this interchange isn't just about making Jeffress look like a fool, which he is. It's fun. I love it. It makes me giddy on the inside. But that's not the point of it. The point of it is what he reveals about the morals and the agenda of the religious right. As long as he's giving us what, he, what we want, we will continue to support him. And if it was that simple, I would say, all right, kind of. I mean, that's sneaky and nasty and underhanded and really nothing to do with Jesus. But at the same time, but at the same time, what's happening here is these same pastors like Jeffries continue to preach and speak out against um, people that don't support this man. So you have Christian leaders that are standing up and stumping for Trump saying, support him, support him. If you don't support him, you're going against God's will. And that's where all of this gets really nasty and gross and convoluted. Now, Jeffries is at least smart enough not to speak out of his ass like others do. Because he would never say something that was completely contrary to what he said a couple of years back. Like, he would never do that. He's, he's such a man of integrity. Oh, wait, what? I'm sorry. I'm getting this in right now. <laughs> oh, never mind. Oh, that's exactly what he did uh, back in 2008 when speaking out against Mitt Romney. So let's kind of compare and contrast this just a scotch, just a tad. So what did Pastor Jeffress have to say about Christians that wanted to vote for Mitt Romney? Well... Let's have a listen. But if you choose to vote for Mitt Romney, understand you are not voting for a Christian. Mormonism is not Christianity. It is a cult religion. I then went on to point out what I felt like was the hypocrisy of some evangelical leaders, some of them my own friends, uh, who for the last eight years of the Bush administration have been telling us how important it is to have an evangelical Christian in office who reads his Bible every day 
And now suddenly these same leaders are telling us that a candidate's faith really isn't that important. In fact, one of those leaders, a good friend of mine, said on national television when it came to supporting Mitt Romney, he said, well, after all, we are not electing a theologian in chief. We are electing a commander in chief. Wait a second there, Rob. You can't have it both ways. Like, it doesn't work that way. Now, maybe, maybe your views have evolved over time. Maybe you've become woke or tasted that teat of power. That teat of power that tends to throw all morals and logic and reason and basically your backbone out the window. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. But wait, do you have more to say? Oh, sorry. I apologize for cutting you off. Let me let you finish. Uh, my fear is such a sudden U-turn is going to give people a case of voter whiplash. I think people have to decide and Christian leaders have to decide once and for all whether a candidate's faith is really important. Christians need to remember that the kingdom of God is not going to come riding in on Air Force One. And I believe we need to remember that as believers. I think the danger in all of this discussion is that Christians sometimes are willing to sacrifice the temporal for the eternal, that in order to get their candidate elected to enact those laws that they feel are crucial, somehow we fool ourselves into thinking we're going to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. We're not going to do that. I'm not willing to trade uh, people's eternal destiny for some temporary change in the law. <laughs> no, Jim, I'm really, I was laughing at uh, a joke I'd heard earlier in the day. I'm not laughing at you. Of course I'm laughing at you. You're calling out people for doing the exact damn thing that you're doing right now. If that's not hypocrite, I don't know what else you can say or do to define the definition of what is a hypocrite. And I should say, I should note this, and I have documentation for this. When I was doing research um, on Robert Jeffress, which for some reason I always want to keep saying like Jim Jeffries, uh, the comedian, because he's a lot more fun than Robert, but uh, yeah, I don't know why it keeps getting mixed up in my head because apparently they're both a lot of fun as we found today. But on Robert Jefferson's page, uh, his Wikipedia page under like his list of what his jobs are, he's a pastor, he's a radio personality. Um, it was listed in all caps, hypocrite. So I took a screenshot and then I posted it on Facebook and on Twitter and literally within three minutes, someone had gone on the Wikipedia page and fixed it. But that's the glory of screenshots. It's there. It's documented. And after all of this, it was actually really true. And it's a sad thing that they took that off of him. I mean, that's, you know, something to add to the resume. That was, you know, something he could have put on his LinkedIn page. That would have made him just so much more relatable. And within all of this that I'm saying here, within all of this, I get it. People screw up. People sin. I've had friends. I've had friends that were Christian leaders in prominent positions that have had moral failings. I get it. But you know what those leaders did? They admitted it. They admitted it. And then they went on to do the work of cleaning up the carnage that they had created. 
They didn't continue to deny it. They didn't continue to try to silence the accusers. Because we all screw up. But the sick thing is, when we deny it, and then we have Christian leaders stand up for us and continue to stand up for us and continue to flip-flop for us and do, I mean, seriously, like, uh, Pastor Jeffress is, I think he's got an amazing yoga routine for how he's able to bend his back and contort in all these ways to somehow make sure that whichever the way the wind is blowing, that he's kind of, his, his morality is moving in that direction. So, well done for you. Well done. And in many ways, I'll give it to you. You know how to spin this crap well. But there's many, many people out there that aren't quite as good as polishing crap as you are. And yes, you can expect me to show it to you right now. I'm not going to make you wait. Here we go. So we'll shift to none other than one of our faves around here. Jim Baker! Jim Baker is back to give us a message of what God is saying. And I'll remind you that that message has nothing to do with giving him money. I'm just kidding. Listen to him. April could shake the world. Yeah. This, things are going to happen this year. God woke me up. I was up all night a few hours, a few nights ago. <coughs> Porn. And spoke to me that it's later than people think. Wait, it's later than people think. I, I think God was just reminding you about daylight savings time. You don't know. You can't, you can't just say, well, I believe this. I, you you got to know what the Word says. You hear me? Yes. Because it's, it's going to be suddenly. Now, I know, Jimbo, that you've told us all that if we mock Donald Trump, that God is going to punish us. But your word, suddenly, maybe it is from God. And we can only hope suddenly is a word for Robert Mueller and his investigation. And things are going to happen this year, and God spoke to me. And I said, God, how am I going to make it this year? Income is hard right now. A little footnote on why income is hard right now for Jim Baker, just to tell you this. Uh, good old Jim owes $6 million to the IRS. You know, normal serving the Lord kind of stuff. What am I going to do? He says, you be faithful to preach what I tell you to preach, and the people are going to help you. And I'm back preaching harder than ever. I'm believing God for new strength. I'm almost 80, but I'm going to live to be 180 if I have to. I'm just, I'm determined to live. Determined to live to keep selling doomsday food buckets to the masses. And not die. And you know what the good thing is about my age? Wait, is that a rhetorical question? Or is it a good thing about your age that there's no shame left in you? And so you can keep ripping people off in the name of Jesus. Is I don't have to worry about it. That's right. I mean, so what? I got a couple years left or so. Whatever God wants, you know. And, and so I'm not living because I want to build a mansion here. I'm not living because I need to do something 
uh, just for man. I'm living to bring the message That's that it. I went to prison to receive. So you're telling us you went to prison in order to receive a revelation. And it wasn't because of embezzlement. It wasn't because of a porn star scandal. Sorry, playmate scandal. Big difference. None of that. It was really, it was all a tool. It was a tool for the kingdom. Just to like, you're a tool for the kingdom? That God gave me the revelation story in the revelation book and gave me the message to tell people to prepare because perilous times are coming. It's the harvest time and people are going to preach. All of you, you people that have been listening to so much preaching, you got more preaching. It's running out your ears almost. It's so, so, you're so full of it. You're just, your ears <laughs> yeah. are just full of the gospel. And now God wants you to preach that. In yes, these sir. last days, we're going to be an army of preachers. Amen. That's what it Amen. is. A couple last points on all of that. Uh, I don't know if that was either one of the plagues uh, in Egypt or if that was one of the warnings in Revelation that people would have preaching leaking from their ears. But if any of you out there are having those kind of symptoms, I would recommend that you go and seek medical attention right away. And like I'd mentioned before, we talked about good old Rob Jeffress. Now we've got Jim Baker. One's good at spinning crap. The other one, not so good. It's pretty darn obvious what he's doing here. He's trying to sell his doomsday buckets. He's trying to sell this whole, like, he's figured out how to use the book of Revelation to strike fear into people so they can be like Sean Hannity and Glenn Beck and buy all sorts of doomsday food items that you can store for the pending apocalypse. That's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Christian hypocrisy. You gotta love it. Sorry if I've been a little dark so far on the show, but, you know, I get a little fired up about this. I get a little fired up about the fact that people are using Jesus to be able to have and pursue political gain and or to make money off of the foolish masses. That thing does kind of tick me off on a regular basis. Has nothing to do with the gospel, has nothing to do with Jesus, regardless of how often and how many times these people use and invoke the name of Jesus. Nothing to do with it. So let's now hop into, because that's kind of given us a primer to talk about what I really wanted to get into this hour. Is this phenomenon of the Christian celebrity, this Christian celebrity worship that continues to go on within the confines of Christianity. Now, I'm not talking about, and you've seen this online, anytime some like uh, football player or celebrity says the word Jesus or thanks God for something, uh, the Christian masses will be like, oh my gosh, look at this. Such and such converted. Oh my gosh. Case Keenum said that the Super Bowl was won because God wanted it to and was on his, his side. I mean, We've seen this Chris Pratt will say thoughts and prayers and all these other kind of stuff. And Christians, it just warms the deep cockles of their hearts. It makes them feel great. I'm not talking about those, that kind of like celebrity worship. I'm actually talking about celebrity worship that, that is within the confines of Christianity and in Christian culture and in the Christian industrial complex. That's right, the money-making machines. Because really what this amounts to 
is that Christians are still seeking some sort of earthly Messiah to worship. We, we've covered this ad nauseum about the orange Messiah that Christians have gotten behind because he's the man of God. God has put him here. He is the anointed. But really, with his comb-over, anointing doesn't really work. It doesn't really go with his hairstyle. And case in point, and, and I, I, I honestly don't even want to play this, so I'm not, but I'll explain this. Um, because this is one of these things that, that makes me sick. And I, I do. I, I, have, I have Christian friends in, in, in different circles and realms. And, and one of the things I love the most is when, especially on like Facebook, when people tag me on posts. Love it. Just love it. Uh, which the quickest way to tag me, um, all that really does for you is it just means as soon as I get the alert, I'm untagging myself because I don't want any part of it. And they, uh, this, this, this person was sending around. Now, this is part of a, it was part of a sermon from Elevation Church in Charlotte uh, with Stephen Furtick, whom I have no respect for, as you will continue to hear on this show. And he had another mega pastor, T.D. Jakes. And they were sitting down and having some pastor chat. Now, this isn't like, like a private like little web series of like pastors talk about stuff or trying, you know, iron sharpening iron. Let's just talk about tools of the trade. No, no, it wasn't that. This was, this was a Sunday morning experience. So this is part of Sunday morning church worship, blah, 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 whatever that is at Elevation Church, uh, which really just is a rock concert um, disguised as preaching. So... You've got poster boy, Stephen Furtick. And their conversation that they were having was all about how hard it was to be a pastor in this day and age. So you have two pastors, two prominent pastors, two pastors <laughs> that are worth millions and have mansions. I know Jim Baker's trying to get back to his mansion status. But these guys are legit. They've got legit mansions. So that means they are in the Christian Hall of Fame. And they are sitting there talking in a sermon about how hard it is to be a pastor, how hard it is to be successful, and, and, and all the trappings of just how difficult it is on a regular basis. Because people, man, you, you get a house that God has blessed, and then people are going to say stuff about it on silly little podcasts and radio shows like this one. That's when a slight little tear just went straight down my cheek. <laughs> he knows me so well. My point of this was that on a Sunday morning church service where the job of a pastor is meant to, to disciple, to grow, to edify his flock. I mean, that's, that's the idea. I'm not saying that's, that's what they do uh, at Elevation Church. But what, what they were doing had no business in a Sunday morning. It's like two wealthy people talking about stuff around a bunch of poor people. And everyone was amening. And everyone's like, oh, you would hear groans, groans. Because these poor men, it's so hard to be rich. It's so hard. It's just, you guys don't really understand the pressure we're under. And that got me. And, there, and, 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 and my post was from one pastor sh sharing it with other pastors and being able to say, oh, this is a word. This, this did great for my heart to be able to hear this. Really? Really? 
Because the problem that we have, it's not the problem, it's a problem. Because there's a whole mixed bag of problems with American Christianity. We will continue to tackle them week after week here on the show. But the problem here is that there is this form of idolatry. It's celebrity worship within the Christian realm. And the reason that people go to churches like that is because they want to be a part of what they would call a winning team. So they can brag about how wonderful their pastor is, how hot he is, how many books he sold, all this other kind of stuff. And, and these two pastors discussing how hard it is to be a pastor to a bunch of people who, mind you, are not pastors. Did this have anything to do with their own personal spiritual growth? No. It was just there. Because the congregation needs to know how hard these pastors work. Day in, day out. Barely making any millions on a regular basis. These poor guys, they deserve our prayers. It's really hard. But that is a form of celebrity worship that we see that has infected American Christianity. We also see this like in the death of Billy Graham. You would have thought Jesus died recently. Oh, all the pastors. Oh, just talking about G talking about Billy Graham like he was Jesus. I heard people saying, oh, he lived a blameless life. What? He lived a blameless life? What does that even mean in context to Billy Graham? No, I'm not even going to, to, to talk about the good stuff he did or even the bad stuff he did. <laughs> I've already done that on another show. But it's when we begin to create these idols, it's very toxic. And it's toxic because Christians are consistently seeking an earthly Messiah. Like I rip apart people like Robert Jeffress or Jim Baker because I say that they're not representing Jesus. But you also see this in the flocks of congregations around the country. People want to be able to worship their pastor. He needs to kick ass because if he kicks ass, that means Jesus kicks ass. And all of this reminds me little Bible story, little Bible story from the Old Testament. See, the way that the Israelites for a period of time were rolling, they had, they had judges that would, that would help them to rule. And, and that, the whole purpose behind that was essentially that, that God was leading them, that God was kind of their uh, CEO, their president. And over time, the Israelites started looking around and saying, oh, hey, all these other kingdoms, all these other people uh, are ruled by kings. We need a king. And God would push back through prophets saying, no, 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 you don't need a king. You don't need a king. Just, just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, you guys are all aces. And eventually, after the people keep pleading, oh, we need a king. Oh, we need a king. God's kind of like, all right, fine, whatever. You can have whatever. Just fine. Just, just do it. It's not going to end well, but go ahead. And so they eventually anoint King Saul. And King Saul is a terrible ruler but it gave the people something tangible. They wanted something tangible to represent their own awesomeness. And in the same way, this is what American Christianity has done. They want to celebrate consistently their own awesomeness. We've seen this. We've got the Joel Osteens. And I know I like to make fun of them, but the thing we have to go back to remembering is even though I can say that they're snake oil salesmen or crooks 
or morons. And I always say that with love, with Christian love. But they command large flocks. Large flocks equals large money, equals large uh, buildings, uh, book deals, all that other kind of stuff. And you see this. You see people like the Billy Grahams, the Franklin Grahams, the John Pipers, the Joel Osteens, and, and there's, there's, there's tons of them. And they command a lot of power and influence within the Christian world. But the problem that all of this has, 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 has really created is the fact that most Christians in this nation, and this is, this is how easily Christians can be manipulated into following somebody like Donald Trump, is the fact that the role of the church is no longer about educating and teaching and giving people wisdom and knowledge and information, saying, now you go and live these lives. Um, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm going to give you some truth and some information, and I want you to wrestle this out and figure out what does your faith look like in the communities that you live, um, in the situations that you are being confronted with. That would be healthy. But instead, a lot of these leaders, what they have come to do is tell you exactly how to think, tell you exactly how to believe. And what Christians have done is they've abdicated, much like the children of Israel, abdicated God in, in lieu of getting a king. Christians in America have abdicated their own faith to follow, like a bunch of groupies, these different Christian leaders. You kind of, you kind of see where I'm going here? And you get people like Judah Smith. If you don't know Judah Smith, Essentially, just go ahead and Google his name, and he's the guy that has a creepy haircut with pedophile glasses. But since those pedophile glasses are considered hipster in Seattle, and because he's attracted people like Russell Wilson or Justin Bieber, he gets a following because he's the hip, cool guy that's telling everybody how to do stuff. And it's not just that, that Christians have abdicated the role of God in their lives. They've actually abdicated their brains. And that is problematic. And that led me to finding this article that I'm going to kind of run through really quickly, but it's, it's called Stop Idealizing Christian Celebrities by Brandy Miller. And Brandy puts together a really, really, really well thought out piece on this exact phenomena. And I loved what she had to say. And this sums up a lot of what we're talking about here. She said, the pitfall of Christian celebrity culture is that leaders, in talking about Jesus, are often followed as if they were Jesus, or as if their worlds are infallible beyond critique. And the culture of quick fame through social media and accessibility of trendy spirituality, leaders themselves are able to be well-known without necessarily being well-versed. She goes on to say, Christian leaders' fame becomes their authority to lead. And their authority over a congregation gives them more fame. It's a vicious cycle. A particular pastor's way of, of following Jesus becomes the way of Jesus. Given the reality that white, able-bodied, and cisgendered men have the most cultural access to pulpits in the United States, it becomes a problem when their ideas of Jesus are in turn afforded the most cultural validity. 
and people of color, the LGBTQ community, and other marginalized groups aren't given an authoritative voice within their faith. See, what we're talking about here, it's a problem on both sides. It's a problem of hero worship, but it's also a problem with the pastors allowing this. I remember this, and this is, this is several years back, and, and this isn't even a knock on the guy, uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll talk a little about Rob Bell. So I had gone, I was, I was out with a, with a group of my seminary friends out in Pasadena, California, and Rob Bell was talking at the Viper Room, doing a very like small private chat, and private like as in like, you know, of the 75 closest ticket holders, private. But we, we got wind that he was going to be in town, and we were in town, and so we went out to go watch this, purchase our tickets, went and watched it. It was, it was, it was good. It was good. Not, I'm not even knocking anything he was saying. But the weird phenomenon that I saw at the end of it was as soon as he finished speaking, he kind of goes to the side, and this line forms where everybody has to get in line uh, to get things signed, and they're fawning over him, and oh my gosh. And a friend of mine... And I'm not going to throw all of my other pastor friends under the bus because only two of us, uh, a friend of mine, Ginger and I, I remember we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, I don't need this. So we kind of just stood back by the bar and just chatted and also like playfully judged everyone else that was going up like, oh, oh my God, the king is here. And, and I swear, and I, there's, no, there's no way for me to say if this is true or not, but she can at least confirm this. So at least I had a witness. But the funny thing is, so as people have gone up and, you know, kissed the ring and then left, um, we're still kind of standing in the back. And so there's just a smaller, there's just, the line's gotten very small. And we kept noticing that he would look up. He would kind of look up in our direction, almost like puzzled. Like, why are you not coming down here? Like, why, why are you not coming down here? Because I'm amazing. And again, this isn't a knock at, at, at Rob Bell completely about this, but, but there is this this allure to those that are in these situations, that people need them. People need them. And, and the funny thing is, like, Ginger and I sense this, and we're like, there's no way in hell. Like, it'd be fun to, like, talk some smack with him, but I don't want to be a part of this thing. I don't want to be part of this. And to me, it's just, it's gross. And the way it works, the pastors grow to love it, and the congregations continue to conflate people's ego. And to further push this home, uh, the article reminds us of this, and I'd mentioned this earlier, but I think this goes without saying. She says this. She says, the rise of evangelicals like Jerry Falwell Jr. and Franklin Graham reflect this reality. Republicans who already respect and follow the conservatism of these two men elevated their voice in the 2016 campaign influencing swaths of conservative Christians through their social media platforms and campaign influence. Leaders gain authority because the individuals give it to them. Thus, Christians give their leaders authority and a platform, and they become tools to push their congregations, often problematic ideas, out into the public. Now, the thing that gets lost in all of this is, guess what? Well, I may contradict myself. Pastors are people. I know it's weird, right? Like, televangelists are technically humans. They're people. They're not gods. 
They're just idiots with a microphone, like I'm an idiot with a microphone right now. And I've been to these things. I'm like, I'm so done with this. People invite me to these things all the time, these Christian conferences. And like, it was, it was probably about like, I want to say it was at least seven years ago that I just swore them off because I was sick of them. I was sick of the show. I was sick of all this other junk, which is also weird that, you know, we have a bunch of pastors together and we need to have like some sort of big worship production as well too, when they're supposed to be teaching us about leadership. Like, why is it when any time that Christians gather, we somehow have to throw in a bunch of cheesy worship just because it's something we check off? It's a box we check off. I worked for churches with staff meetings. We could have staff together. We need someone to lead worship to begin our staff meetings. What? Why? Like, it's a staff meeting. Let's not make this any longer than it needs to be. No, but I've been to these Christian conferences and Christian events. There's, there's book signings and all of this. And the thing is, the followers want to live the lives of these leaders. And the leaders need the people to want to be them. It's this weird cycle of, yeah, it's just like that, the picture of like a snake eating its own tail. And that's a big synopsis of one of the huge problems in American Christianity today. Ultimately, Christian pastors want to become like the Jesus version of Oprah now. They want it. They want it. And why do they want it? Well, because it's a form of measurement of success that has infected the church. Churches routinely operate just like businesses. Successful businesses have bigger buildings, have bigger followings. So the role of pastor now means you need to continuously get more and more butts in the seats. It's not about teaching. Well, it's about wowing them. But it's not about teaching. It's not about educating and discipling. It's about giving them just enough so they feel like they need to come back next week. It's kind of like a drug dealer. Just give them a taste and keep them coming back for more. And the sad fact of the matter is, as we've seen of, of how easily evangelicals were willing to completely fold and roll over for Trump, they don't think anymore. Now, I know I'm blaming this problem this, this kind of thought vacuum that happens where it's kind of like put my brain at the door. This isn't something that's exclusively a Christian problem. It, it's happening all over. Uh, we see the fact that most Americans are becoming barely literate anymore. Uh, we read headlines. We don't actually even read articles anymore. And we go ahead and pass judgment. And this is why we were so easily influenced by Russian trolls. They didn't even have to work that hard. But I don't want to keep America accountable right now. I want to keep American Christians accountable for this. Your pastor is a person. Your pastor ain't Jesus. And if he's preaching anything that isn't very Jesusly, it's probably not even that Christian anymore. It probably isn't. And Brandy Miller concludes her article by saying this. Celebrity Christianity creates a culture 
wherein we mistake a person's public persona for their character, and we create protective cocoons around leaders that shield them from critique in their work and personal life. When one's experience with the divine is tied up in a fallible person, the place where Jesus begins and that person ends becomes indistinguishable. The church becomes anemic when its members are so fixed on celebrities to shape their faith that they miss out on or dismiss the many different ways to follow, believe in, and faithfully live with Jesus. And that is a problem. We've moved in so many different ways to a fast food faith. We've moved in so many ways to strip down our faith to the bare minimums or make our faith so easily palatable that it really just looks like the next Tony Robbins. You're a self-help guru. And the sad fact of the matter is this. I know when we talked at the beginning of the hour, Pastor Jeffress saying that uh, when he was trying to defend Trump, saying, well, there is one of the Ten Commandments that says, thou shalt not sleep with a porn star. So eloquently, so eloquently. And so not funny. But what he is missing with here, <laughs> if you want to hit the Ten Commandments, old Robert, what you are doing and what many of these pastors are doing or allowing to happen, especially when celebrity worship is happening here, when your flocks will follow you without thinking and when you're fine with that, it's a form of idolatry, which actually is in the Ten Commandments. Sorry to say, not trying to be a stickler. I don't think they really mentioned a porn star in the Ten Commandments. Or really anywhere else in the Bible. Yeah, that stuff hadn't been invented yet. But what begins to happen is it becomes this form of idolatry. Where the pastors need it and the congregations Follow it. And then, when you have some sort of a scandal in church or something happens, your version of Jesus has let you down. And people will blame the church for it. So I'm not letting the churchgoers off the hook here. I'm not letting you off the hook either. As Brandy had put in that article, there is this cocoon that happens around pastors that allows them to have bad behavior. And that bad behavior goes unchecked. <laughs> Let me think about that. Does that sound like the White House right now? That, wait a second, are all of these pastors on his, like, faith team, are they surrounding Trump in a cocoon? Huh? Are they all enablers of letting this happen? So are they actually doing what others do to them? That's kind of interesting. That's kind of interesting, and the cycle repeats itself. And here's the fact of the matter. We are all people. We are all human. And if you believe the Bible, we are all created in the image of God. Not one better than the other. Many conservatives forget this fact, where they only like to have men preach from the pulpit. But we're all the same in God's eyes. So Trump, 
as a man. He's not even a very smart man, but he's a man. But they have made a myth out of him. Conservative Christianity has made some sort of a godlike myth out of him. And so why do the Franklin Grahams, the Jerry Falwell Juniors, the Jim Jeffersons, why do they continue to do this? Why do they continue to enable this? Why? Because it continues to give them credibility so they can continue to use that credibility to manipulate their flocks of people. And all the while, this is just some grand Ponzi scheme. That's all this is. And with any good pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme, you have to always keep moving. Because if you stop and the chips start to settle, everything crumbles. And we've already started to see the crumbling in America. We've seen after the last election, church attendance dropping like a rock. Millennials have said, screw this. I don't want to be a part of this. And what's sad about all of that is our brand of American Christianity has become really the representation of what Christianity is. And the two, they couldn't be any further apart from one another. The teachings of Jesus look no longer like American Christianity. The teachings of Jesus, in all actuality, are really kind of fortune cookie nuggets that we throw around in churches on Sunday because we don't want to be too convicting. We don't want to be too honest. Or in those places where they are too honest or AKA racist, that's not really honesty. That's just pushing a sick, angry, bigoted agenda. And all the while, these churches continue to speak about Jesus. These pastors continue to talk about Jesus. They'll even go on interviews and defend our president using scripture and in the name of Jesus. But none of this has to do with Jesus. So in a certain sense, it's quite wonderful. But in the sad sense, it's an absolute nightmare. It's wonderful because I wouldn't want Jesus having anything to do with this stuff anyways. The sad thing is, most Americans can't see the difference between biblical Jesus and kick-ass American Jesus who loves guns and is okay with porn stars and presidents. There is a way out. Stop dealing with this. Stop enabling this. Start thinking for yourself. Start actually reading what Jesus said and doing those things. You don't need someone from a pulpit to tell you that. You've got your own mind. And it will require reading, which I know is hard for a lot of us. But if you actually want to know who Jesus is, investigate on your own. Well, that's all I've got this hour. Thank you so much for being a part of this show. Just a reminder, as we end this broadcast, you can catch us on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Just look up Snarky Faith. And if you feel so, if you feel so beloved and you want to give me a little bit of thanks or a little bit of a high five, go into iTunes and give us a good rating. I'll be back again next week. So thank you so much for being a part of this journey that is Snarky Faith and grace and peace and snark to all of you. I'm out of here. God bless the United States. Thank you very much. The United States.
WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.